Oh, it's so good to be. I've been looking forward to this all week. I don't know, there's always something special to me when there are holiday weekends. Because it's kind of like, okay, so we're the bunch that didn't go to the beach, you know? And we, we come and we say, we're going to prioritize God's house. We're going to prioritize worship. And when we do, it never fails that God just blesses us with his presence and his power in our lives. So congratulations, you didn't go to the beach today. No, I, I'm so glad that you guys are here. Hey, uh, we, we want to do a couple things. Just after service today, some of you have already, already found them, but we do this, we try to do this about every year, and it's kind of funny. We, uh, we, have, we can almost tell by what year you came to Hope by what t-shirts you have. And uh, one of the things is, is I know for a fact that not many of y'all have this one. Can I get a witness? How many have this one? Because this one was given out in before we began. <laughs> so this was actually at a picnic that was given out in, uh, I think, August of 2008, somewhere in there. Mine's a little sweaty from setup this morning, but, uh, but that's that one. Denise is like, what? Don't throw it at me. But uh, we, we have for all of you guys, uh, after service, uh, we went white this year, a little cool for the summer. But on the back of it has our four statements, what hope is all about. And I think it's critical we remind ourselves that we are people that want to encounter God. That's what we've been doing this morning. Do you know that God is real? He's living. He's active. He shows up by his Holy Spirit. He, he changes us. That's what God does. But when we do that, I, I, we, we want people to experience hope because it's only when we encounter God that we really have hope. You know, we, our, our problems, our issues are, are not that big because he is greater than. And then we talk about the fact that we want to engage in mission. Every one of us, God has a purpose in our lives to fulfill, that we are to be a blessing wherever we are. I was missing this morning. I've gotten so used now to Curtis Simona Hickey sitting behind me because we used to sing in a quartet like 30 years ago, and she has one of the best alto voices there is. And I'm listening to this minute, and I'm like, sorry, Josh, you got a good voice, man, but it's not quite Mona back there, all right? But they're in Ecuador this week because they have a mission that they started years ago called Bread of Life and uh, making a great impact in Guayaquil, Ecuador. Um, they'll be back with us in a few weeks, but we all have a mission. It may not be in Ecuador, maybe right here in Charlotte, but we need to fulfill that. And finally, that we excel in love. Because you know what? We can be a church and be busy, but if we don't show God's love, 1 Corinthians 13 says, what good is it, right? So I want you all to have one of these after service. Make sure and stop by there. And that one's clean. There you go. All right. So this morning, I want you to open your Bibles. We're going to start a new series today. And I want you to open to the book of Mark. Uh, the book of Mark. Uh, begin New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, second book of the New Testament. Kind of open your Bible about Three-quarters of the way through, you'll find it there. But if you're also on your tablet or phone, if you are a part of version, which I recommend highly, uh, if you go under their More tab, hit it, there's an Events tab. And if you hit Events, we pop up. There's uh, Charlotte's Hope Church. And right there are my notes and the scriptures. And you can actually put in your own notes, save it, email it to somebody. Really, really cool app. But however you find the Word of God, find the Word of God this morning. Because we're beginning a, a series called In Plain Sight. And it's a series that really are about the parables. It was a way that Jesus taught. And last week we talked about metaphor, and some of y'all are still struggling with the metaphor of the bride of Christ, but we, we're getting through that. Uh, but we talked about metaphor, and really what parables are, are, are something that I think are so powerful, and they, I, they must be because Jesus used them greatly in his teaching, but yet today they speak to us in a way that is so powerful. Because if you ever look at what a parable is about, really a parable starts off as a picture. It, it's something common to us. 
If Jesus were teaching today, he would, he would say, okay, you know, this afternoon at the racetrack, the 600 of the cars are going round and round, and, you know, he'd, he'd use something very similar that we would understand or see because it's familiar to us. But as we study a parable, what happens is that picture becomes a mirror, and all of a sudden we start seeing ourselves in that mirror, in that parable. Can I tell you, sometimes we don't like seeing ourselves Sometimes it's kind of hard when we see ourselves because the truth is just there. And so much so that when Jesus taught in parables, some people really got upset about it. So much so that they, uh, they decided they, they'd just kill him and take him out. But you know, if we are really people that, that see ourselves as ones who desperately need our God, then what the parables become is not just a mirror to show us our need, but they also become a window through which we see God's grace, and we see his power, and we see his effect in our lives. So for these next few weeks, I want us just to, to open our hearts up to a to parable, something maybe if you've grown up in church, you've read a thousand times. And, and, the, and the problem with that is they kind of become like yada, yada, yada. We've always heard this, right? But yet there's something that God wants to say to us today. And I'm, I'm taking a parable that's very familiar, but I'm giving a little bit different title this morning, and the title would be why church won't change your life. Now, I could just empty the crowd right there, right? Hey, way to go, Pastor. We're at church. Why church won't change your life? And you're going to see it because this mirror is going to become now a window for us. See, here's the background, okay? Mark chapter 4, Jesus had, had come on the scene. He, he had come to that point where God finally said, it's your time, now go. And he started teaching in the synagogues. He started opening blind eyes, turning water into wine, all these amazing miracles. And as you can imagine, they didn't have the internet, they didn't have Facebook, anything else. Word just began to spread by word of mouth. And, and wherever he went, people got excited. They're like, hey, the teacher's coming into town today. Let's, let's go hear him. And, and you can imagine on this day, people literally left their jobs, left their shops, and they're all like, hey, we've heard he's an amazing teacher. You've got to hear what this guy says. And, and they come out, and then they gather around Jesus, and it's such a crowd that literally he has to get in a boat and push off ashore just so they don't overwhelm him. And we see it in chapter 4, verse 1 of Mark. It says again, Jesus began to teach by the lake. And the crowd that gathered around him was so large that they got into a boat. And sat it out on the lake while all the people were along the shore at the water's edge. Look at that picture. No amplification. He's just, he's just teaching, letting the, the beauty of nature take his word out to others. And he taught them many things by parables. In his teaching, he said, listen, a farmer went out to sow a seed. And as he is scattering the seed, some fell along the path. And the birds came up and ate it. And some fell in rocky places where it did not have much soil. And it sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched, and they withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns, which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Then Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let him hear. He starts taking the boat and going away. And you can imagine the people looking kind of like you right now, like, so he wants us to be farmers? What's that about? And we heard he does these great teachings. It's unbelievable. He's taught like nobody else. He's talking about sowing seed. What's that all about? And I can picture his disciples like, Jesus, like, you're not done, are you? Come on. We've heard you before. You're better than this. Come on. What's up with the seed, right? And there was this, there was this moment where everything just kind of hung there and stopped, and his disciples were confused. And if we see the story work out, what happened is they went away. They went away by themselves. He didn't give anything else to the people. 
But he started talking to his disciples in verse 10. He says, when he was alone, the 12 and the others around him asked about the parables. He told them, the secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you. But to those on the outside, everything is said in parables so that they may be ever seeing but never perceiving or ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Now, again, the disciples have to be confused. They're like, so wait a minute. So all this teaching, all this leading, all these miracles, you don't want people to know? <laughs> you don't want them to know that God is great and to, that you have come to, to bring the kingdom of God at hand? But, but what he was doing was, he was saying, look, no, what I'm doing is I want them to open their eyes that I'm not talking about religion. And I'm not talking about just adding on to what already they're doing by ritual, but I'm talking about this secret, this mystery that's been given to you, and then it simply brings you to that place to say, look, you've got to move toward this kingdom. You've got to want this kingdom. You've got to come after this kingdom because it's not about just some little easy message like, hey, does everybody want to go to heaven? Raise your hand. Right? Well, there you go. All right. We're done. See you. We'll see you in heaven. No, he's like, look, I'm coming not with some shallow message that's going to just add on to what they're already doing, but I'm coming with such a radical message that they've got to reach into it. They've got to want it. They've got to go after it. Because the kingdom of God offers amazing things, but yet our hearts have to be ready to go after them. And you see, the first overriding principle we see in this parable today is why my, my, the title of the message makes sense, and that is it. It is that the only person responsible for your spiritual growth is who? Is you, right? I'm the only one responsible for my own spiritual growth. See, that's what this parable is all about. It's all about what we do with the word of God. Now, look, I'm not trying to bail out on my job. <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, God, it's all on them. You know, I just, I'll stand up and tell a few stories, crack a few jokes, go home, and, eh, well, you know, maybe they'll get it. No, I, I'm, I'm a teacher. I'm, I, that's what God called me to do. I, I bring the word of God, try to bring it to life. But the reality is, it's really on us how we receive the word of God. That's why literally two of you could be sitting side by side this morning on the same row, and you can hear the very same message, and one of you can walk out, and your life has changed. You're like, man, that was awesome. That was so great. And someone else will like, what was wrong with Pastor Mike today? You know, man, what, what was he thinking? Did he not sleep last night? That thunderstorm wake him up? What's, what's the deal? Because, again, it all comes down to our heart preparation. Because the reality is seed is being sown to us always. Seed is coming, seed is the word of God. It's being sown to our lives all the time, but how we listen determines what happens with the seed. Now, I love, I love teaching the word of God. I, I love teaching the word of God. It's something I really enjoy. But the reality is I, I can do a very poor job from time to time, and please don't say amen right there. But if a person is hungry and looking for life, the word he hears will change them from the inside out. See, Jesus said to them in verse 13, don't you understand this parable? Don't, don't you see the truth here? He says, how then will you understand any parable? He said, the farmer sows the word, and the word was represented in the seed. And he said, listen, the seed is scattered, but it's scattered over hearts that are all different. In fact, he gave us four hearts represented by the four soils, and we're going to see how they all play out in each one of these. In fact, the, the first soil is one that, uh, that, that unfortunately I see quite a bit of. Because he said in verse 15, he said, look, some people are like seed along the path, 
where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the very word that was sown into them. So what he was saying was, and I know this is a poor example because we're not planting sunflowers, but it was all I could afford yesterday at the cheap store. But he's saying there's seed that the, 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 the farmer is always sowing. And he said the seed's good. The seed, the seed has life in it. He said, but here's the deal. Sometimes the seed is sown in places where it's never going to grow. It'd be like me this morning wanting to grow sunflowers. I'm like, okay, it's going to grow on the carpet over there. It's going to grow on the tile over here. Or it's even going to grow up here. And the reality is we all know it's not going to. Why? There's no dirt. It's so hard. There's no way for the seed to penetrate the carpet or the, or the, or the little plastic tiles or, or, or even over here. It's just never going to happen because there is a hard situation in that, in that place. And he says it's the same way with people. Sometimes our hearts become so hard that the Word of God does not penetrate them at all. Pain, abuse, life's made people cynical. We get hurt by life, we get hurt by religion, we get hurt by other people, and if we're not careful, we don't guard it, what happens is this, our hearts grow hard. And no matter how much word is sown to it, no matter how much word comes after it, it doesn't seem to, to happen. And what happens is, the word says that Satan, like a, like a bird, comes along and he begins to pick up the seeds. He begins to pick up the very word so that it has no opportunity at all to change our life. Now, I know some of you, we, we get this wrong perception of Satan. Can I, tell, can I tell you that he's never been out in the parking lot waiting on us with a red suit, horns, pitchfork, and fire going on, right? Like, hey, I'm here, here to scare you. no. But can I tell you, he's one that comes in. The word says he's the angel of light, and he comes in, and he speaks these deceptive thoughts when we come and listen to the word of God or when we read the word of God, and he says, like, oh, that doesn't apply to you. You don't, you don't need that. You're, you're strong. Those, those people are weak. They, they need a crutch to get through life, so, so just don't even bother looking for the word because, after all, you don't need it. So he comes, and he, he picks up the very, the very seeds that have been sown out there. And the reality is, when we see this parable this morning, every one of us are in this parable. We just got to identify ourselves. Because some of you may be, well, you know what, Pastor? I have a right to be hard. I have a right to feel the way I do right now. If you knew what I've been through, and if you knew what God has not done for me, I'm just angry. And what, I, what I want you to hear is you, you can stay angry at God, or you can say, God, break my hardened heart, God, that I can be open again. Because you see, the only thing you can do with, with hardened soul is break it up. The only thing you can do with hardened soul is till it up, right? Some of you that are, that are new to Charlotte and you get ready to plant your gardens, whatever, you're going to find out real quick, our soil is not fun to dig in around here. There's this thing called red clay. You need like dynamite. You know, it's just unbelievable. But it's the same sometimes with our hearts. They get so hard that we don't even hear. And you have to come to this place where you're just done with you. You're just done carrying the hardness. You're just done carrying all the, all the wounds. You're just done carrying all the past. And, and you finally come and say, God, I'm in a place. I just need to be broken, God, because unless I am, the word is not going to penetrate. You ever been there? You, you ever been to that place? I have. It's horrible. I know what that feels like to sit in service after service after service. And, and there, was a, there was a time in my life where I just got to let others hurt me. And I, and I took that hurt personally. I didn't just give it back to God. And I sat under some of the best teaching of the Word of God you could ever imagine. Great preacher. And every Sunday I'm like, yeah. When are we going to lunch? I wonder, wonder if the Mexican food is going to be, okay, yeah. 
mine wasn't there. Oh, I love God. I tell him I love God. But you know what, God, right now, I'm just hurt. It wasn't until the Holy Spirit opened my eyes, remember the mirror, to see myself and say, Mike, this is on you. It's not on them. It's not on those that hurt you. It's not on that circumstance. It's on you. And I have to come to that place. I say, all right, God, then, then Lord, do a work in me. Lord, do a work to break up this ground because, God, I want the seed to fall on good soil. See, here's the lesson of the first soil. Here's the lesson. You're going to write this down. It's this, and that is that God's work in our life depends on our openness to him. It depends on our openness to him. I, I've talked to people. They're like, yeah, if God really wants to, to be in my life, he's just going to have to like, show up and like, hit me in the head or something. I'm like, oh, don't pray that. You know, God loves you enough. He will make himself known, but better yet that we would open ourselves up to him and say, all right, God, here I am. Speak to me. You see, there's hardness sometimes that, that we aren't even aware of. But I'm trusting the Holy Spirit this morning to take this word and bring it back and say, all right, look, maybe you've been hurt. Maybe religious people have ticked you off. Maybe the church has let you down. But God's word is still living and active, sharper than a two-edged sword, and he wants to come into your life and bring real life. But you've got to let that soul be broken. Because there's a second soul. He said it's a, it's a soul, verse 16, he said, others are like seeds sown on rocky places. They hear the word and at once receive it with joy, but since they have no root, they last only a short time. And when trouble or persecution come because of the word, they quickly fall away. So, so here's this seed that's been sown into soil, and it immediately produces fruit, right? I mean, you see change. You see a change in attitude, maybe a change in language. There's growth, there's fruit, things are happening. But the moment adversity hits, guess what? It withers away. The moment adversity hits, the with, it withers away because the soul is shallow. It, it's kind of like those, those weeds this time of the year that grow in the cracks of your driveway. You know what I'm talking about? You're like... That thing wasn't there yesterday, and it's like six inches tall right now. But yet you reach down, and you, you pluck it up, and it just comes up easy because it has no root to it. You see, people that God is talking about here are people that they come to Christianity in a, in a way that maybe, maybe their faith was based on their parents or their pastor. Or maybe their faith was based on their church experience. They, just, they came out of a church, man, where there was just a lot of emotion and feeling, and it was awesome, but yet they developed no root or no depth and no anchor to keep them steadfast. And as soon as life gets real to them, they lose their job. As soon as life gets real to them, they get sick. As soon as life gets real to them, they run into their old friends with their old habits. Or God forbid, someone in church looks at them wrong or says something stupid. We never do that. They get offended. And what the Word of God says is, it goes away. Oh, you know it. There are people in your life right now, you're like, well, whatever happened to so-and-so? Man, they look like they were on fire for God. They were, but they didn't put down roots. They didn't build in this kingdom. They didn't, they didn't grow. You see, quick starts rarely result in good endings. So the lesson out of the second soul is this. God's work in our life has to be a personal commitment. It has to be something that we, we grasp hold of and we say, God, we want you to work in our lives. It can't just be a happy thought. It can't just be a want. It is, it's people that I meet that are like this. There are people that follow God for a better outcome here but do not want lordship in their lives. Bless me, God. Make me rich. Give me a good-looking spouse and healthy kids. 
Lordship? Hmm, that's asking a lot, God. And what happens is we, we pursue a better life here, but not lordship, so we're shallow, and the very minimal adversity takes us out. Oh, I, I, it's kind of like this. This is one of my, my favorite examples. It's kind of like people that have decided they want to go on a diet. Can I, can I get anybody there, right? And it's like you go out and you buy the best diet book you can find, right? I mean, it has all the recipes. It has all the exercises. And they go out and buy that book, and they start reading it. They're like, oh, man, this is some truth. If I did this, my life would be so much better. And then you see them about two or three weeks later, hey, how's that diet going? Man, I don't understand. I haven't lost an ounce. In fact, I've gained weight. You're like, well, what are you doing? I'm reading the book every day. Well, are you like exercising? Oh, no, no, I tried that. Man, my face got all red. I started sweating. That was no fun at all. No, I'm not doing that, though. No. Well, did, did, you, did you change what you eat? No, that stuff tasted bad. I, mean, I miss my chocolate, my ice cream. We, we laugh because we're like, that's just foolish, right? But can I tell you, people do it all the time with us. I read my proverb of the day. Cha-ching, I'm in. I went to church on Sunday. Wasn't that awesome? Look at me, God, gold star. And what he's saying is, look, if there's no lordship, it's not going to turn into anything that leads to fruitfulness that is lasting. You see, if you're pursuing God for blessing and salvation only, not lordship, then you wither. Listen, I have to be real careful because I can talk, hey, hey, do you want to go to heaven? Yes, 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 we all want to go to heaven. Then get saved. All right, I'll get saved. But then we start talking lordship, and we're like, wait a minute, that's like a bait and switch. Why, why do I have to, like, trust him now? And I see it, and people just fade away because there's not that heart commitment. That's the second soul. The third soul is one that's very familiar to us. It's found in verse 18. He said, still others, like seed sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Now, now picture this. When you hear the word, fruit shows up. See, I, I believe this. Every time you sit under the word of God, because it is living and active, because the Holy Spirit takes it and makes it truth in us, fruit, fruit develops. But this person, when they hear the word of God, the fruit shows up. There, there's even a root there. I mean, it's good. They, they, they are loving God, they're excited about God and His church, they witness, they give. But the soil was almost so fertile, almost too soil, because when the fruit came up, so did weeds also. And the weeds were so much stronger and more robust, they literally started choking the, the life out of the good fruit. And Jesus said there's really three areas that, that, that this happens, and it's very common. It's very common. It's something we need to, to be aware of. He says, listen, sometimes we, we love God, we're, we're committed, we're going, but yet we haven't taken time to pull up some weeds in our life. And the more we neglect them, guess what happens? They get big. I got a house where I cannot grow grass, but man, I can grow some weeds in my place right now. I even fertilize those suckers so I'd have something to mow, right? Because man, they just grow. But he's saying there's fruit that's there, but the weeds get around it and they choke it out. He said, one of those is worry. We, we just begin to worry about everything in this life. Relationships become more important than obedience. But God, if I really go radical after you, man, they may not, they may not date me or like me. We get more caught up in our career and our, our job and our, uh, the stresses of the work and all of that, that before long it's just choking the life out of the very fruit God has in us because we have no time for taking care of the fruits. Even our giftedness can get in the way. 
We just start sailing along on our giftedness. We don't need God because, after all, we're good. And yet the fruit goes away. I think one of the things we really struggle with in America is we get so caught up chasing the American dream. It's all about me, right? And it supersedes the kingdom dream, which says no one can serve two masters. We're either going to go for God or we're going to go for ourselves. He said you really can't do those things. He said worries have a way of choking it out. The second thing he said is deceitfulness of wealth. He didn't say wealth. He said the deceitfulness of wealth can choke it out. It's that, it's that more, more, more. It's that wants that have superseded needs that ultimately turn into lusts because you don't think you can live without it. And the next thing you know, it's like, God, I'm striving for the things of this world. I'm not even honoring you. And then there's the desire for other things. Oh, this, this is one that I, I have to battle. Listen, we, we are so privileged. Can we agree with that this morning? We are so privileged. We, we get to live in a way that we can pursue hobbies and passions and, and travel and all kind of good stuff, and it's all good, but if we're not careful, the desire for those things can supersede the desire for the kingdom of God. And it's not lordship anymore. It's like God on an idol up on the shelf somewhere that we rub his head every once in a while and say, bless us. Instead of every day saying, God, I give you my all. God, everything I have. God, you grace me with the opportunity to get to travel or to get to do this or whatever, but God, you are, you're first. You're above all else. You see, the third lesson that comes from the soil is this. God's work in our life has to be our first priority. It just does. It has to be our first priority. You'll say, well, then, Mike, how do you know that? How do you recognize that? How do you know when you're in that situation? Because, again, that, the, the, that soul he's talking about loves God. Fruit is born. There's a root there, but yet things start choking it out. I think, I think you recognize it this way. We, we come to church week in and week out, but the fruit of God's not there. We sing the happy songs, but the feeling is gone by the time you get to the parking lot because the worries of this world come right back on you. Oh, you may even serve. You may even serve, but, but honestly, you just got to the place where you're just checking the box. Well, I served. I, I did my week. I, I did good. I held a baby. Wiped the kid's nose. It was awesome. Sang, set up. But we're just doing it in motions. And we're not even doing it well. God, we're going to serve. We're going to push in, but we're not even doing it well. We show up late. We're unprepared. We don't even recognize the opportunity to grow that comes through serving. Because we're caught up in the religious of just doing And it begins to choke out the fruit of God. You see, God must be the priority that guides our success, that guides our education, that guides our career, our family, our service. He cannot be a priority. He has to be the priority in our lives. Otherwise, we are that third soil. Eventually, it withers away. And we get to be what I call grumpy old church people. And you've all met them. Just bless your heart. He says, there's a fourth soil, and this is where we want to land. There's a fourth soil that we want to land. He said, others, verse 20, like seed sown on good soil, hear the word, they accept it, and it produces a crop. Some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. He says, there is fruit. It is evident. It is abundant. It is miracle grow on steroids. It is like the daisy that grows to be this big. It's just, it's ridiculous fruit that God says should come out of our lives. And it comes out of our lives in such a way that we become life-giving. Everywhere we go, we're given life. We're, we are blessing. We are encouraging. We are challenging. But yet we're giving life. Why? Because the 
joy of the Lord is our strength. The peace of God is our atmosphere. The grace of God is not an excuse to be stupid, but it is a a power that enables us to be the witness before others to show them there's a God that loves them. And it comes out of that decision that says, God, you're going to be everything. Because you see, the life that is that fruitful can only be explained by their connection to God. It's not their giftedness. It's not their talents. It's not even their connections. It's the fact that that impact that they were created for is their first desire. It's their first desire. God, you made me to do this. God, you made me to reflect you in this way. God, you made me to impact here. And when we start living in that way, we begin to produce fruit that's beyond our abilities. And the only way we get there is simply this, and this is the lesson of Soul 4, and that is that God's work in our life is an ongoing series of choices. You see, for that kind of fruit to be born in our lives, we've got to move beyond remembering a time we walked to an altar and we prayed a prayer. That's the beginning. That's the beginning. It's got to go beyond the time we were dunked in a baptismal tank. We got wet in front of everybody else. It's a beginning. It's more than a prayer. God, use me. God, use me. And then God gives you an opportunity like, no, God, don't use me there. God, use me. It's got, it's got to move beyond that. It's got to move beyond the more than showing up and serving once a month. It's a daily choice that says to God, God, everything. God, everything is yours. God, even the breath I'm using right now, God, to speak, Father, the Lord, it's yours. So, God, how can I hold back? How how can I hold back from the very things you put in me, God? So, Lord, here it is. You can have my wants, my desires, my gifts, my aspiration, my position, God. Everything is yours, God. I surrender to your word. Lordship, heaven. That's why when we lead someone to pray to receive Christ, we, we always bring the word surrender into it. It's not like a, a, a badge of achievement you put on your, on your vest. It is, I surrender. And the only way we produce the fruit of this soil that produces the 30, 60, 100-fold is to live in that moment of surrender all the time, especially to God's word, even, even when that word contradicts our culture. How many know there's times if you really go after God's word, you recognize you may not agree with all of it? Just me? I read stuff like, really? Really, God? That, that's what you said? But I have to know something that if I am totally his, if I've chosen to follow him, then I choose his word, even if I don't like it. I choose his word even when it feels hard or difficult in my life. You see, I learned a long time ago This growth in God, this growth in spiritual maturity, this growth in faith is not complicated. It's really not. In fact, I'm going to wrap this up with with three steps. I'm going to be the real true three-step preacher this morning, all right? Three steps. Because I really want you to get this in the simplest form because that's why Jesus told parables. He wasn't trying to complicate it. He just wanted to be something simple. And if we really want to grow in God, then we have to, first of all, we have to hear God's word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. And we live in a day that we have no excuse for not hearing the Word of God on a daily basis, almost moment by moment. I mean, my goodness, we carry the Word of God in our back pockets now, and it's cool to do that. Not like in the old days. If you took a Bible to school, oh, it's the Bible, kid. But now you got it on your phone. It's right there, you version. A little devotion time, a little word. We give you right now media. 
You can stream videos. You get tired of all the junk that's on TV. Well, you can check out some of the best teaching in the world right there. We give it to you free. You just need to go on our, our, our website, request it. Devotionals. We, we have community groups where you can come together in the middle of the week and you can talk about God's Word. We hear the Word all the time. And I'm convinced even if you turn on the radio to AM and you find an old country preacher from Spartanburg or somewhere, he may be awful, but if he's teaching the Word of God, I even believe the Word of God will get into you somehow. Because I believe in more of the power of God's Word than I do the communicator, okay? But not only do we need to hear God's Word, we have to accept it. We have to accept it. Verse 22, they hear the Word and they accept it. Even if we don't like what the Word says. God, I, I, choose, I choose to obey your Word even when I don't like it. God, I choose to obey your word, God, when you talk about my sexuality or someone else's sexuality, and I don't like it, God. I, I choose to obey your word when you, when you talk about things like forgiveness, God, when I really don't feel like forgiving, because, God, you, know, you, you do know what they did, Father. I don't like your word, God, when it speaks about commitment or tithing, God, because after all, that, that hurts, that requires a sacrifice. So, God, I, I choose not to, to, to go that way. I mean, let's be honest. If I had it my way, we'd have a one-page Bible. We'd have a one-page Bible. Here's what it says. Love God, be good to people that like you, I'll see you in heaven. How many would sign up for that? Come on, we can start our own cult, right? No, no, no. He didn't give us a one-page Bible. He gave us the words of life, so much so that the very disciples that were there at the boat that day, one day he made a hard statement about eating his flesh and drinking his blood, and he was referring to what we do in communion, and and. Everybody left except the disciples. Those ones that said, we will have good soil. We will bear good fruit. And when Jesus looked at them and said, what? You don't want to leave? Why not? Peter, give Peter credit sometimes. He said, because you, Lord, have the words of life. Nobody else has them. And so Jesus leads us through this parable. And he says, you got to hear God's word, accept it, and finally, you have to obey it. It's like the diet book. It's not going to do you any good just to read the pages and all the recipes and read, watch YouTube about how to do those workouts. But man, if you never break a sweat, you never push away from the table, you never stop munching at midnight, guess what? It's not going to work. And in the same way, what Jesus was saying is, hey, you want to come after me? You'll bear fruit. It's going to be unbelievable fruit. But you have to come. So he finished it very simply. He said, so if anyone has ears to hear, let him hear. So our desire should be, God, today I hear it. God, plant it in the soil of my heart. God, if my heart's not right, then Lord, dig it up. God, I promise I'll water it. I'll take care of it, God. I'll, I'll, I'll nurture it, God, because I'll... I'll be in community groups. I'll read. I'll serve in the right reasons. And God, I, I'm doing this, God, because I want to see fruit produced through my life because God wants every one of us to live out our story, the story that he ordained for us while we were in our mother's womb. He wants us to live out that story, but it only comes when we say, God, you're it. God, you're it. I'm going to live my life, God, as you are the first priority. And God, I just want to trust you.